This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Your boy woke up feeling dangerous today. (laughs) I was in the mood. I was in the zone. I walked into the building. I had a little edge to me, and it's not a red polo day, but I'll tell you, Damon, I will tell you, before I left the house, I almost changed my shirt today. I almost did. It almost became a red polo shirt day. But I figured I'd save it for tomorrow to close out the week really strong. But we are here for you and with you for the next couple hours. And like I said, woke up feeling dangerous, was in a really good mood, still in a very good mood. Very excited about the next couple hours of radio, excited about the next few guests that we have coming up on the show. And, of course, always excited to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200, and also the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. And the reason why I'm excited and the reason I'm fired up it's because you know, and I don't wish anybody to lose their job. Don't get me wrong. Don't, I'll never in any kind of walk of life, I don't care if you work at the corner store or if you work for the Raiders, I'll never root for anyone to lose their job. But you know that change is coming. You know change is coming. So I'm getting excited to see what changes are in store, what's going to happen, who's going to be brought in, who's going to try to usher the next season of Raider football to go from the first round of the playoffs to take that next step, maybe possibly even get them over the hump. Whether that's a GM and Rich Bisaccia, or if that's a GM and another head coach, if it's a GM, another head coach, another quarterback, whatever the case may be, whoever is, is going to be the 2022 Raiders, I'm excited for. I'm excited for that stage of the game. And I think that that's what everyone does when you know that change is inevitable and you know that there's some coming, and, and again, I don't know what level of change is coming to the Raiders, but we all know that Mike Mayock's out at the GM position. So that's some right there. So that excites me about, okay, well, not that I don't like Mike Mayock because I thought he was cool. I thought he was great. You know, I thought he was a, a, a really good GM. Thought I, I mean, I liked what he brought to the table, but now they're going in another direction. So what's the, what's the next GM, whoever that's going to be, what does – their player look like? What does a Raider look like in their eyes? That's that's what interests me. I think we all kind of understood what a Raider looked like to John Gruden. I think we all kind of realized what he was going for, what he was looking for. Now, what's the next GM, whoever that's going to be, what are they going to be looking for? What does a Raider look like to them? Those are the kind of things that intrigue me. Those are the kind of things that get me kind of excited uh, to know about what's coming up in the future, especially when we know Right around the corner, there's all-star games that are showcasing players, collegiate athletes that are trying to get to the next level. We know that free agency is right around the corner. We know that the draft will be right around the corner. And it's it's funny to say right around the corner because the draft's not so late April. But, look, it's already late January. I remember when it was New Year's. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, these days go by so stinking fast. Before you know it, the Super Bowl will be over, free agency will be going, and then we'll be talking about the draft. And then all of a sudden you'll have a quick little lull in the summertime. We're talking a lot of baseball. And then all of a sudden we'll be talking about preseason and training camp and the regular season. And we'll be back at it again. I mean, it goes by so quickly. It, it, it gets me excited just to think about 
what the future holds. So before I tell you any of the guests coming up on the show today, I want to put this question in your ear. Matter of fact, we'll go ahead and kick off the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. All right, so the opening drive, I want to kick off the the, the part of the show with a topic. I want to put it in your ear, so if you call in or you text in, you could already be thinking about this. Outside of the head coach and GM position, because we know that that could go in a bunch of different directions. And I don't want to sit here and speculate and say, this guy's coming, this guy's not coming, whatever. So outside of the head coach and GM position, that's going to get resolved at some point. What do you think should be the Raiders' number one priority in the offseason? Don't give me a laundry list, because Raider Nation is so awesome and passionate. I love it. They're so passionate about the team that they'll give me three, four, five different subjects. Or if I ask for MVP, they'll give me three. Or if they, you know what I mean? Like, that's how passionate Raider Nation is. Everybody loves to get one more in. Right, right, right. And look, I'm guilty of it my damn self. Yep. (laughs) DeWan's like, yeah, you ain't got to tell me. That's why we can't get the commercial on time. I'm guilty of it myself. That's why my podcast is supposed to go 28 minutes and it goes 48 minutes or whatever. You know, I just, I always have one more thought. Just one more thought. So I get it. I totally understand. But Raider Nation, I just want to hear, outside of the head coach and GM position being resolved, what do you think? The Raiders' number one priority for this offseason should be. That's going to be the question. 702-365-9200 and also the Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Before we get to any kind of phone calls and any kind of feedback, I want to let you know the guests that we have coming up on the show today. And we got a variety of guests, a couple from The Athletic. As a matter of fact, we're going to kick things off at 2.30 with Daniel Kaplan from The Athletic. He'll uh, talk to us about John Gruden versus the NFL. The lawsuit is going on right now. We know back in November, John Gruden filed a lawsuit against the NFL. And yesterday, the NFL tried to have that lawsuit dismissed. So Daniel Kaplan, who does a really good job covering uh, sports, just kind of the business side of things for the athletic, he'll join us at 2.30 to talk about what he knows, where it's going, some more news. And I don't know if it's really evidence, but just information that came out about the case Uh, yesterday that I found to be pretty intriguing. So uh, we'll talk to Daniel Kaplan at 2.30 about the lawsuit, John Gruden versus the NFL, because I'm interested to see where it goes. I really am. I think it's an uphill battle. I would be surprised if it actually ends up going to court. I would be surprised if John Gruden ends up winning. But with that being said, I'm interested to see where it goes. So Daniel Kaplan will join us at 2.30. Keeping the train rolling at 3 o'clock. Austin Meek, he's also from The Athletic. He covers Michigan like a glove. So if I say Michigan, you think? Jim Harbaugh. Boom, there it is. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. And so that's the thing. Because I'm in the belief when it comes to Jim Harbaugh. And I'll tell you right now at 2.07 on this Thursday, January 20th, I'll tell you right now, I don't believe Jim Harbaugh is going to be the quarter, or the, uh, the head coach of the Raiders. I don't. I could be wrong. And if I am, that's fine. I'll come out and say it. I've said it from the jump when the first information rolled out weeks ago that I thought it was more of uh, his agent using the Raiders as leverage to get that money that he lost this past year to get that money back. And that's what agents do. And anyone who's been a Raider fan for a long time knows that agents and players and coaches from all walks of life have used the Raiders many different times as far as leverage goes to get what they want from where they're already at or to get it from somewhere else. Again, I could be totally wrong. That's just my gut feeling. Yeah, he wants to get that money back. 
Of course he I've does. I've never beat Ohio State. Ah, uh, man, it's a pandemic. I'm giving back to the school. I'm such a good guy. Make the playoffs. Now you want to get that money back. How nice of a guy Well, you? you know what's funny is when I was in Texas and the University of Texas, who's been trying to get back ever since they fired Mac Brown and he went on his way and they've hired coach after coach after coach to try to get back and they still aren't back yet. You know, every time Texas is back. No, they're not. But there was a time when they flirted with Nick Saban. And Nick Saban flirted with the University of Texas. And you know when that was? That was right after Nick Saban had lost to Auburn. So there was a little bit of rumbling going on in Alabama like Nick Saban wasn't the end-all, be-all. So you know what he said? Okay, no problem. Oh, Texas, you want to talk to me? Cool. Wife, go out to Austin. Look for houses. Start looking around for houses. So he did. Or she did. And I'll tell you, when I was in Texas, that was the biggest thing. Oh, my God, Nick Saban's wife's here looking for houses. Like, that was a bit, That was the sign that he was going to the University of Texas. He was going to leave Alabama and go to the University of Texas. And as soon as anyone heard that his wife was in, Alabama, or in Texas, in Austin, looking at houses, Alabama said, okay, here you go. Here's a, here's a Mercedes dealership. Here's your car dealership. Here's double your pay. Here's this. We ain't never going to mess with you again. You eat for free in Alabama, and he ain't left since. And also, he's got that sweet incentive in his contract. Whoever gets paid the most, exactly. we going to make sure you at least got a dollar more than him. And if you're good at doing the little Google and doing some math and doing, you know, matching the dates up, go look when that happened, when that was inserted in his contract, when his wife was looking at houses in Austin. Texas never had a chance. Never had a chance. <laughs> but it was leverage. Leverage is the key. So when it comes to Jim Harbaugh, and again, I could be absolutely wrong. We could go into the season, and all of a sudden that dude could be on the sideline, being the head coach for all I know. We could be sitting in a media session with Jim Harbaugh for all I know. I just, my gut feeling tells me that he's using his leverage and he's going to be in Michigan. So Austin Meek, who covers Michigan like a glove for the athletic, will join us at 3 o'clock to talk about all things Jim Harbaugh and talk all things Michigan and where he thinks that this thing could go. So, and I got a couple different angles that I'm going to look at this. We got this with Austin that we're going to look at today. Got another guest coming up on tomorrow's show that has a little bit more information as well. Uh, we, I'm telling you, man, the next couple of days, I'm so excited and fired up about what we're bringing to the table here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Then at 3.30, we're going to have Connor Orr on the show from SI.com. I know a lot of Raider Nation here is Connor Orr. Oh, no, he hates the Raiders. He hates the Raiders. He actually put out a piece on SI.com about the head coaching jobs that are open in the NFL, and he ranked them. We had a guy on last week. We had Mike Sando on last week from, uh, or earlier this week from The Athletic, and he gave us his rankings, and he had the Raiders job in at number three. Well, I'll tell you right now, Connor Orr has the Raiders ranked higher than that, and he has great explanation and great breakdowns on how he came to this conclusion. So at 3.30, we're going to talk to Connor Orr about any kind of the coaching, coaching openings across the NFL and exactly where he ranks them, why he ranks them, how do they came to that conclusion and all that. So uh, very excited about the guests that we have coming up on the show. Daniel Kaplan at 2.30, Austin Meek at 3 o'clock, and Connor Orr will close out our guest schedule at 3.30. And, of course, Raider Nation, we want to hear from you throughout the course of the show, 702-365-9200 and the Sam Nash text line 69187. Got a lot of text messages already. Jeez, let me uh, not abuse the text line. Let me go ahead and hit that right away. Let's see. This one from the 510, the 5 and dime. Raiders need a true wide receiver number one who can consistently beat one-on-ones on the outside. Quarterback, right, running back, tight end, slot wide receiver are all solid to great players. Trade picks for Devontae Adams if needed or go get Allen Robinson. So basically the gist of that text is go get a number one receiver. I would have no problem with the Raiders 
prioritizing the number one wide receiver, whether it's in free agency or it's a draft. But you got to get, in my opinion, just my opinion, you've got to get a real deal number one. Darren Waller is nice. You know, Darren Waller missed five games in the regular season and still had over 600 yards receiving. I mean, think about that. If he plays another five games, I don't know what Hunter Renfro's numbers look like. Obviously, they drop a little bit, but he still had a hell of a season. But can you imagine if Waller stayed healthy the whole season, what his numbers look like? He had over 600 yards receiving, and he missed five games. You have him, you have Renfro, and you have a true number one wide receiver? Man, you have an offense that really is clicking. And, you know, I know Gangster Raider called before many times and said, hey, score 30 points a game, you're going to win. If you have those kind of elements right there, you have an offense that's closer to scoring 30 points a game, in my opinion. You have the ability. Of course, you got to clean up the red zone. You can't score 30 points if you can't get in the end zone. Daniel Carlson will really be kicking the hell out of the ball if you're going to score 30 points by way of field goal. That's nine plus. Pro Bowl. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Glenn in San Jose said the same thing. The priority should be finding the legit number one wide receiver. Deshaun Jackson was not the answer since Derek only threw at him sporadically. And again, that's from Glenn in San Jose. And I'll tell you this, that, that um, I, was, I was happy about Deshaun Jackson because I like him as a player. Always have. Liked him when he was at Cal Berkeley. Liked him when he was in high school, to be honest. But I just, it just never clicked. It never clicked with him in, in, in Las Vegas. It just didn't. And that's unfortunate because he has speed. You know he could be a playmaker. You saw what he did in Dallas. Uh, you also saw what he did against Kansas City the first time at Allegiant Stadium where somehow he caught the ball and ran forward, sideways, backwards, and fumbled the ball. I mean, just... It just didn't click for Deshaun Jackson. That's unfortunate. Again, really good player. It's just things didn't work out. So that's what I want to hear from you. 69187, keyword R&R. That's the Sam and Ash text line. And, of course, the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Outside of the head coach and GM position being resolved, what do you think should be the number one priority for the Raiders this offseason? Let's go out to ABA. Ivan Davis, you'll get things started. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, okay, I got some little earphone things in. Uh, my thing is, uh, I almost said a coach that can do red zone. I mean, I'm, I'm debating real close to that one, but I didn't say that. I think it has to be a true number one because after Ruggs left, we were scoring almost 30 points a game. We moved the ball almost at will, and defenses basically were crapping their pants. Okay, first part of the season. Okay, no, uh, no offense could. I mean, no defense could stop. Would be able to stop an offense like that. And if I could, Q, uh, I, I didn't get a chance yesterday. I had the emergency and I had to leave the uh, call. Uh, the uh, my thing for yesterday was uh, the 1977 uh, Raiders game. It's one of the greatest travesties with the uh, Rob Lytle fumble because we would have went to the Super Bowl. I remember a young a comment, a young Brett Musburger. <laughs> Another season, he asked a question. He said, is there any team that can beat the Dallas Cowboys? And then they said, the Oakland Raiders. That was the pick all season long for the Super Bowl. They had built it the entire season. I remember that like it was yesterday. And then that fumble changed the course. There was a reason why Dallas got blew out. They weren't worthy. Okay, everybody thought the Raiders and Cowboys, they had built that stabler versus uh, Starbucks. All right, cool. Th- thank you so much. I, yeah, I remember that 1977. Not that I was there but and remember watching the game, but I remember Glenn in San Jose actually hit us up and uh, shared that story with us. Yeah, that was a good one from yesterday, but we, uh, we got to keep it pushing, man. We got to keep 
even on till today. 702-365-9200. Who we got up, Damon? Corky in Vegas. Corky in Vegas. Corky? <laughs> What's going on? Chilling, man. How you doing? I'm chilling. Just picked up the sun from school. Okay, that's good. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to call in and uh, focus on the Raiders the one priority to me yeah. next year. I think it's got to be like a tackle. Something lineman. I don't care. Because I miss those days when we had the bulk of our linemen and Josh Jacobs was just dogging for first, second, and third down. It was, like, achievable. <laughs> like, we had hope every time. You know, and I, I just miss those days. And if, if we ain't going to get a lineman, then I agree with, uh, I think, who said it, Glenn? Mm-hmm. Uh, then we need a uh, wide receiver. We need a wide receiver one. Perfect. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I like the tackle idea. I really do. And I'll tell you this. I And I know that it's a different time, and, and Lincoln is able to break it down better. Lincoln Kennedy, he comes on In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. He'll be on tomorrow's show closing out the week. And he's talked to me about this before. I'm a big fan when it comes to offensive line. I'm a big fan of the power blocking scheme, not the zone blocking. And I know that's what 99% of the league runs because, well, you can't even practice really offensive line. It's hard to practice offensive line play now, and you can't practice the power scheme. But, man, when the Raiders were a power blocking scheme, they played bully ball. Man, they did. Those big uh, uglies up front, man, they used to get after it. And that's what I liked. I loved that. I, the whole blocking a, a, an area, going to a zone to block, I, I'm not a big fan of it. I know it's supposed to be real easy for everyone to run behind it. You saw what Kyle, or not Kyle, but Mike Shanahan did in Denver for all those years. They always find a way to have a 1,000-yard back because that's what they do. I get it. It worked in Houston really well. I get it. I mean, it's worked in the league a lot. I'm just not a big fan of it. I wish that they just get back to being the big, ugly front, being the biggest and the baddest dudes. You know you going out behind them. That's why I was excited when Trent Brown was signed, because that's who he was. Big, ugly dude. Mountain of a man. Yeah, exactly. But you knew that you were going to get the business. You know, it was going to take you a while to get around that dude. He was just going to bully you. It just didn't work out. I mean, you should have seen him in Buffalo this year. That snow game where they only threw three passes. Yeah. Oh, Trent Brown was on his A game. Right, right. And that's who he could be when he's when he's available. He just wasn't available very much for the silver and black. 702-365-9200. Let's go back out to the Radio Nation listener line. Who we got? Rich in Oakland. Rich in the 510. Hey, good afternoon, you. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Uh, so for going into next year, well, we need number one wide receiver. We need a right tackle. We need a left guard. We need two cornerbacks. We need one linebacker, <laughs> and we need a safety. Let's keep it on it. <laughs> All right. You well, let's get, so, uh, so basically, you just need a whole new team. <laughs> Thank you for the call. The one thing, what is the number one priority? And he just prioritized the whole damn roster. We need one of those, two of those, about right, three right, of those. Right, right, right. Let me get one of them over there. Yeah, go on, throw that in the cart. Uh, okay, let me get one of those. Let me get a safety, throw that safety in the cart. Uh... You know get what? a right tackle, put the right tackle in the I don't even like these that much, you know, but I'm going to get them anyway. <laughs> I need a couple running backs. <laughs> I need a couple linebackers. Yeah, I got What about Casey Hayward? No, nah, let me get two new corners anyway. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, that's that's <laughs> that's funny. Uh they they look, the, the roster is not where it needs to be obviously. That's that's no doubt about it, but again, we're trying to prioritize one one thing. What is your number one priority? Going into this offseason. Let me go into the Salmon Ash text line at 69187. Got a ton of feedback. Sir Whiskey Ray said, Q&D, the one priority that needs to be addressed by the Raiders this offseason is the offensive line. Carr literally had a very little time in the pocket, and at times he had to force passes and take 41-plus sacks this season. 
As a team, we need to get back to scoring touchdowns and not settle for field goals. Due to our soft offensive line, we must address it immediately this offseason. Carr will have more time to sling the ball over the field, just my opinion. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray, uh, and I agree. I, I feel like the number one theme so far has been the O-line. Some element of the O-line. A tackle and more guards. I know Denzel Good's supposed to be coming back. That's positive. I just think that they need to have depth. I think they need to have competition. I don't care if you're a first-round pick or a former first-round pick. You need to fight for your job. At first, when, when you first posed the question, my thought offensive line, too. But then someone said receiver, and it's like, oh, receiver wouldn't be bad either. No, it'd be good. People talking about corner. Another corner on the outside would yep. be nice, too. It is one of those, like, man, it's hard. To, it is hard to just pick one. I'll give Rich and Oakland a pass, you know? It is hard. <laughs> it, it's hard to pick You're just the guy one. now all of a sudden giving a pass. You're the one guy who always is trying to cut everyone off at the at, at the at the at the cross at the cross springs, whatever it is. Nah, you know, yeah, he makes good points. Points were made. Okay, okay. It's hard to pick. I like I like I like how when it's it's okay for you, then it's all right for everybody. Well, I just me thinking. <laughs> I was said on saying offense, an offensive lineman too. It was like, hey, yeah, couldn't go wrong with that either. All right, I all could right. Use some of that. I'm not mad at that. Raider Richie in Arizona built up the offensive line. Maybe bring in a good offensive lineman like Lane Johnson to mentor Leatherwood. Uh, that's from Raider Richie in Arizona. Let's go ahead and take a couple more calls real quick. 702-365-9200. Who do you have? Fargo Raider. Fargo! What's up, brother? Hey, what's up, my cutties? How y'all doing today? Chilling, man. That's what's up. That's what I like to hear. Man, the homeboy went off like we were still doing the 12 Days of Christmas Raider theme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with it, man. And Tracy Brown was a big ugly, but for our cat. That's all I got to say about that. I'm going to leave it there. My main concern is going to be retaining key players. We got a long-ass list full of playmakers that need to come back next year. So I'm not going to focus in on one position, but rather what we need to do as an organization as a whole and get those guys that we already know the product of them back in silver and black. And then lastly right here, uh, when I think of Michigan, man, I think Eastern Michigan and how Max needs that extension. That dude is a beast, and he's earned his money. Give him that money, man. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you for the call. And, you know, we were – I forget who we were talking to. We have so many good guests on the show. I forget who we were talking to, but one of my questions was, what do you do this offseason if you're the Raiders? You know, you have both Hunter Renfro and you have Max Crosby going into the final year of their deal next season. I mean, that will be the last year of their deal. They don't want to go into that last year without a contract extension. Most players don't. So what do the Raiders do? Do you address one and not the other? Do you try to address both? Do you try to address neither? I mean, what do you do? And I believe whoever we were talking to, and again, I apologize for not remembering exactly who it was, said that Max Crosby's probably got to be the priority just because that that position is more of a priority. But I, I think that you have to look at Hunter Renfro and say, that's a guy, you, you just can't let that guy go. You really can't. You cannot let that guy walk, and who knows what he does his final year. Maybe it's a guy that you take a chance and you let him, you know, you, you let him play his final year out and then give him a tag or hit him with the tag and give him an extension at the same time. I don't know. I'm glad I'm not a capologist. I'm glad I'm not the guy that's got to make those decisions. Again, that's going to be whoever the new GM is. That's going to be whoever the coach is. That's going to be everyone in that front office are going to make those decisions. But those are two key guys that you got to look at. And on top of that, the other guy that you got to look at is Trayvon Mullen. Trayvon Mullen also is going into his final year of his deal. Would you keep him around? Would you make him earn it? I, I mean, personally, he's got to go out there and play. He's got to go out there and play all the all next season before I think about an extension for him. Not because he's not good, but he just wasn't available enough for me. So you you can't get a contract extension if you you know you weren't available as much as he wasn't available this year. I look at Max and I look at Hunter. Those are my two priorities right there. You got Josh Jacobs. You have the option to pick him up on the fifth year. You have the option to let him ride out. I mean, 
There's a lot of different things you could do. But whoever is sitting in those seats, the GM, the head coach, and all the front office, they got a lot of decisions that they got to make this offseason. 702-365-9200. We'll get one more call in. Who we got? Allen in Denver. Allen, what's up, my man? Welcome to the show. What's up, Q? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for taking my call. For sure. Uh, one thing I wanted to share was um, I think the biggest priority should be the mindset for whoever's coming in, whether it's the GM who's going to have a lot on his plate or other players that feel like they have you know big, big shoes to fill just because the Raiders are going to be looked at like a mystery in the league next year just because of all the chaos that's happened. And I wanted to share something that Derek Carr said early on in his career. Uh, really had an impact on me, and I think it was during the off season. And somebody was asking him about him, like how he felt about all the skeptics. And you know, he sat there and he told everybody, just like he had a coach that told him one day, you know, you have to stop trying to prove all these people wrong that never believed in you in the first place, so that never give you a chance. He's like, it's better to invest your time on the people that always believe in you. So you know, whoever gets that opportunity to come in and be the GM or for Derek Carr or anybody else going forward, I would say that's the biggest thing is that Mamba mentality. All right. Good stuff. I like it. I like it. Have that Mamba mentality. And it, that's got to be something that's got to kind of trickulate throughout the whole organization. And so that's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, how whoever the coach is, whoever the GM is, how they put everything together, how they, they get this organization, they get the key players, they bring some key players in, and how this thing gels. Because this thing, as I said many times during training camp, as I said during preseason, this thing gelled really well for this team this year, and they were really a tight-knit bunch. They're not going to be the same guys. It will not be the same roster in that locker room next year. How will they gel? How will they switch things up? How will they change? I think they have enough key parts in there that will be able to keep everything together. We'll just be interested to see exactly how it all shakes out. So uh, good stuff, good way to get us started. Uh, LV Raider Marcus hit me up on Twitter and said, Big on big power blocking scheme. So uh, there you go. That's another a guy after my own heart right there. Love that power blocking scheme. That was the way I used to love to see those offensive linemen block, man. Just block downhill with that power blocking scheme. Again, that's something that Lincoln can talk about a lot more than I can because he was in the trenches. He knows all about it. But that was the kind of scheme that I was a big fan of. So thank you for that tweet, my man. I do appreciate you. Coming up next, Daniel Kaplan from The Athletic. He'll join the show to talk about Gruden versus the NFL and where everything stands right now. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. 2.30 is the time here on Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920. Demond Cotton, your boy Q. Now on the phone lines, we have Daniel Kaplan from The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at Kaplan Sports Biz, and that's Kaplan with the K. And Daniel, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Definitely appreciate you. Wanted to talk to you about John Gruden versus the NFL. And I know that the NFL put out a – or they, they tried to dismiss or have that that uh, the lawsuit dismissed yesterday in court. Uh, John Gruden filed a lawsuit against them back in November. Uh, what's the latest that we're knowing or hearing about this lawsuit? Do you think it's going to get dismissed like the NFL wants? Well, the NFL actually filed two motions okay. in court. They filed a motion to dismiss, and they asked that that actually be stayed while their motion to move the whole case to arbitration gets considered. Um, any head coach, any employee of an NFL team, of the league office, it, their contract will include an arbitration provision. And that's what the NFL is uh, arguing in court, that 
whatever the merits of Maroon's lawsuit are, and the league argues there are no merits, uh, but that, that aside, the dispute belongs in arbitration. So that, that, that's before the motion to dismiss gets decided, if it needs to get decided, whether the case moves to arbitration has to first be resolved. Well, you know, I saw one little piece or a little nugget uh, in, in an article that I was reading about it. We all knew about, you know, the emails that went to Washington and to Bruce Allen. But according to what I was reading, if I was reading it correctly, it looks like he sent these kind of things to six or seven different people. Is that correct? Is that your understanding as well? I mean, that's what, uh, we reported that last night, and that was right out of the NFL uh, uh, lawsuit. Uh, I should say, not lawsuit, response to the lawsuit. Uh, and their motion to move the case to arbitration. Uh, they said that he sent it uh, offensive emails to six I- individuals. Uh, so we obviously know Bruce Allen, the former president of the Washington football team, was his email buddy. Well, who the other five uh, is not closed, but I'm sure. Uh, that is something that reporters will be hot on the trail of. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're talking right now with Daniel Kaplan from The Athletic, talking about the Gruden versus the NFL lawsuit going on right now. And I had a question uh, that was sent in by one of our listeners wanting to know if uh, Gruden's uh, attorneys could actually file a motion to kind of uh, uh, allow the discoveries of what was what was going on in Washington to get those out, since everyone says that there was uh, no written report. So is there any way for, for that kind of knowledge to come out without having that written report? Well, before any discovery in any case uh, gets going, uh, the case has to survive a motion to dismiss. Um, and we're not, so we're, so the way this is going to work is the league is going to push its motion to move the case arbitration. And if that does not succeed, or at least part of the case remains in court, then the motion to dismiss has to get decided. And then if Gruden survives that motion and the case continues, then he can, can then he can go forward with discovery, and there'll be a whole mess of disputes over what discovery can occur. So we're a long way from uh, finding out what was in those Washington football team emails. All right, Daniel, I'm not the smartest legal mind, but when I hear he arbit- ain't lying, <laughs> <laughs> he ain't lying. <laughs> when I hear arbitration, I think that hey, we're going to settle it out of court for a lump sum of money. Does the NFL want to move it to arbitration so quick? Does that mean that they're willing to settle with John Gruden? Uh, I don't think it necessarily means that uh, they wanted an arbitration because then it, it's confidential. There's not mm-hmm. there, there's no court filings, nothing's out in the open. And guess who gets to decide who the arbitrator is? Roger Goodell gets to decide who the arbitrator is. So wow, <laughs> it's, a, it's a stacked deck against the, against Rude. So they have a lot of re- real uh, uh, need, real reasons to want it to get to arbitration. I don't. I wouldn't imagine that it's to settle. That's uh, that's interesting in itself, right there. You know, when this whole thing first started, I had someone tell me that you know it's going to be a very long road and it's going to cost a lot of money and take a very long time if Gruden's going to have a chance to win this. To me, just from what you're saying right now, it feels like this is one of those uphill battles that you just you're just not going to win. It is a complete uphill battle because of the arbitration provision. There's a long, rich legal history of courts. Uh, deferring to arbitration provisions. It's uh, something, something that has pr- frustrated plaintiff's attorneys uh, for, for a long period of time. So uh, what Gruden will argue is the leaked emails fall outside the scope of his employment agreement, and the employment agreement was with the team and not the league. Uh, but that, that's going to be really tough 
tough battle in court. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm glad you mentioned the leaked emails because there was a part in that report that I was reading that said that the NFL said if they leaked them, which they didn't leak them, but if they did leak them, it wouldn't be confidential because of this, that, and the other. So it's almost like, hey, we could have done this. We didn't, but we could have. It felt like that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that that was replete in their in their motions that uh, we didn't leak the emails, but if we did, we were within our rights. And the <laughs> whole argument that Gruden makes that the leaked emails were an effort by Goodell to get back at Gruden for some derogatory emails uh, uh, that referenced Goodell. Um, the, the point the NFL is making is not only is that not true, uh, but Goodell was willing to fire Gruden or at least sanction him if, the, if he had not resigned. So that was another thing that came out in the motions to dismiss and move to arbitration. You know, I, I read that as well, and I just wondered, and I'm sure that maybe even the Raiders organization wonders, if they had the power and Goodell could do that and just fire him without him resigning, why didn't they just do it and do it when they when they found out about it back in the summer? Well, that that's a great question, why the NFL didn't move quicker, why they waited to the middle of the season. I mean, that that is part of the point that uh, that Gruden is making, that, mm-hmm. that he, this was an orchestrated hit designed to extract maximum uh, pain out of him and the, and the team. Uh, because, as you said, they, they knew about these emails in the summer, or we, we think they did. Right. Um, they should have known about them in the summer, so why not, why not act then? That, that's, um, that's a great unanswered question. That's a million-dollar question, and it's going to be a lot more than a million dollars to get it solved. <laughs> I mean, that's basically where we're at. So, Daniel, uh, this is great information. Where where are we now? I mean, wh- what's the next step? When When is the next maybe even date in court or something like that? What, what's the next step, I guess, in this whole situation? There's a February 1st hearing. Okay. It's a minor procedural matter. I think it has to do with uh, uh, get, getting legal counsel uh, up to uh, getting them through the court system there in Clark County. Um, we're we're probably months and months away from uh, a a big court hearing on the motion to move it to arbitration. Uh, I wouldn't hold your breath here. Uh, the, the the wheels of justice, as we know move very slowly. Right, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's been a while. I mean, hell, it happened back in November where the lawsuit was filed, and then we're just talking about it now, and it's late January. So uh, that's just one step right there. So I can imagine how slow this thing, this process is going to be. But uh, we appreciate you you joining us this afternoon to kind of give us an update on what's going on. Of course, we're paying attention somewhat from a distance, but we're paying attention to see how it all shakes out. It sounds like it's going to be a very long process. So do you have anything coming out in The Athletic that anyone could, could read up on to get a little bit more information? Well, we wrote, we had our, we had the story that I think you might have been referring to yesterday in the athletic, um, uh, when the motions were filed talking about, uh, pretty much everything we were just discussing. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for your time, my man. And, uh, we'll kind of talk to you down the line a little bit as this thing kind of starts to ramp up a little. All right. Great. Take care. Thank you, my man. Appreciate you. There he goes. Daniel Kaplan from The Athletic on Twitter at Kaplan Sports Biz. And, uh, yeah, man, it feels like a slow process. But, but DeMond, and, and in Coach Gruden's, you know, his defense, if you knew about it and Goodell had the power to just go ahead and fire him if he didn't resign, why didn't he? Yeah, that's a good one. Could have just too. saved us all the headache, right? Yeah, but one thing that hurts him, his leg to stand on, is just like, but you're saying you did it, though, right? You're saying you said it. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's 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 known that it's been said. Exactly. But I feel like that's the part where the NFL's point where it's just like, he's not disputing if it's true or not. Right. 
He did. He said these things. That and the, you are know, awful. the other thing that I don't like about this, though. But I feel like I just mean in a court of law right. situation. That it's For just sure. Like, you did say these things. You said it. Case dismissed. <laughs> like, just as soon as he gets in the courtroom. Right, right. But uh, the other thing I don't like about it, though, is when the NFL, you know, I. I get it that they know that they're all powerful and how big they are. And, you know, they say there's nothing bigger than the shield. I get all that stuff, you know, and this is why Al used to fight them too, because they get this kind of arrogance about themselves. I don't like when they say, well, we didn't leak it, but if we did, we could, you know, we were in our rights. Now, you don't have to even say all that. You know what I mean? Like you didn't even have to say all that. That's like, that's like, you know, me telling someone something in the in the building about you, and then you coming back, you did you say something? No, but if I did, it'd be okay. Like you don't even have to do that. It's like if somebody wrote a book titled "If I Did Do It." Ooh, too soon, too soon, brother, <laughs> too soon. Two forty is the time. On that note, I'm taking a break. Two forty is the time. Calls and texts close out hour number one. We're gonna do that next. Many thanks to Daniel Kaplan from the Athletic. This unnecessary roughness on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. That'd be a three-game win streak. What kind of momentum? DeMond messed around and used the M-word. Momentum that DeMond doesn't believe exists. So I ask you, and I talk to you, gentlemen and ladies of the jury, if a man doesn't believe in momentum, why in the hell would he use it in a question when he's asking someone about a team? Be like, you're going to think I'm crazy. Well, I I think you're crazy anyway, but go ahead. I don't believe in momentum. Now you see that... Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. That was classic right there. I like that. Nice little rejoin. Well done, Damon. Not believing in momentum, but gonna use it in a in a sentence while he's asking a question. That was that was one of those whoopsies. I, yeah, I got I got caught. You got got. You got got on that one. That's funny. If you're trying to keep track of what's going on with the Raiders and their GM search and their head coaching interviews, yesterday they met with Rich Basaccia, Mark Davis that is. Rich Basaccia was able to state his case on why he should stay on as the long-term full-time head coach. Today they are meeting with assistant director of player personnel Champ Kelly. He comes from the Bears. So that's one guy. Uh, There's multiple guys out there. I know a lot of people have their eyes and ears set on Ed Dodds from the Colts. I have not heard if he's accepted the interview request because he's a very he's a very picky guy. He turned down the Bears, turned down the Panthers a year ago. He's just not going to go anywhere. He's got he's got a good thing cooking in in Indy, and he's not going to go anywhere. Do so we all, do we know how old this guy is? Um, I oh man, I do, I do. I just don't remember. I'm and that's not a really good answer. Forty one. He's forty one. Oh okay. okay. It's so it's so convenient that I happen to have this article written or up on my computer right now. That's the only reason I knew that. I didn't know that off the top of my head, but I did know. Well, yeah, I knew he was a younger be, dude. Yeah, because I'm about to say because like, how old is he to just be like? I don't even know if I want to go to the interview. Well, I mean, when you got a good thing cooking again, you want to have the right opportunity. You know, I mean, some people they want that opportunity so bad that they'll just they'll just take it. Like David Coley in Houston, he wanted to be a head old. coach. On, yeah, man. he wanted to be a head coach, and well, it didn't work out for him. And I think that Houston did him wrong, but. With that being said, he kind of knew what it was going in, and he did get paid pretty well. If you're going to fire me, go on and give me $20 million, I'll be all right with that. Yeah, but, I mean, I got four wins with Davis Mill. I'd be like Denzel at the end of training day. <laughs> <laughs> King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Think you going to do this to me? That's funny. Four wins, <laughs> Davis Mills? Go on. No, no, that's uh, it. I, I, I was going to see what you were going to do with the next, the next sentence. 
See how you're going to work that one no, in. No, they would have called security after that. That's not, yeah, I know. I know. David, what's wrong? <laughs> you, you got a good severance package. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. 247 is the time. Got some great calls and texts. Want to get to to close out hour number one. Outside of the head coach, a GM position being resolved, what do you think should be the number one priority for the Raiders this offseason? We've had some really good answers. Uh, we've heard offensive line. We've heard mentality. We've heard cornerback. We've heard number one wide receiver. But we want to hear from you. I got a text from uh, Big Deuce. AQ, hey, what's the thought on KC signing Arnett? Uh, and that's uh, some news that broke a little bit earlier before the show. Former first-round pick of the Raiders, Damon Arnett, has signed a future reserve deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. And Big Deuce, to be 100% honest with you, I don't think nothing of it. I don't think anything of the Arnett signing. I mean, when I saw it, Field Yates had put it out. I just retweeted it just to let the information be out there. I don't think anything of it. I think we all know what Damon Arnett is. I think we know who he is in the league, and I don't think anybody is worried about him. If Let's put it like this. If he makes the Chiefs roster next year and he's lined up against anybody on the Raiders wide receiving core, I think that whoever the quarterback is, I'm assuming it's Derek Carr, goes right after him. I would go. I would say, what would we say in hoops? Mouse in the house. Mouse in the house. I'm eating. This is a stat day. I'm making the Pro Bowl today. As long as that guy's on me, I'm eating all day long. ISO, ISO. ISO, ISO. What, what, what? <laughs> if I'm the quarterback and I walk to the line of scrimmage and I see Damon Arnett out there, I'm targeting him. Oh, yeah, it's me and you, dog. You know, because you know how Derek, Derek Carr's <laughs> always going to the line of change play? Yeah, we good, we like, good. No, just look over at Zay or something. Just be like, just go deep. Derek Carr might curse. <laughs> he might curse for the first time. He goes out there and sees Damon Arnett against anybody. He might be like, oh, damn. Damn! Get his ass! <laughs> yeah, we got you. We right. gonna burn his ass today. You you remember that Cam Newton? It was like that Cam Newton play, Clay Matthews. Yeah, watch was just this. Like, yeah, he was yeah. Like, you been watching film, huh? Yeah, watch, watch this. this. <laughs> That's what I think. Not trying to be disrespectful, but I think Damon Arnett showed us that there's not a whole lot to the package, and unless he actually changes his life before he even worries about the field, he ain't gonna have to worry about it. He went to Miami. He was on the practice squad. What did he do? Nothing. They let him go. Now he's in Kansas City. He's got a future reserve deal. Those are those are just holding the roster spot for the offseason. They don't guarantee nothing. But again, if I'm a Raider fan, I hope he makes the team. Serious. I hope, I hope he's the number one DB. They wouldn't do that, but that'd be great. That'd be man, Hunter would be like, ha, serious? I cooked this guy in my sleep. 702-365-9200. Let's go to Shields up. What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show. How you doing? Chilling, man. Chilling. Yeah, you know, I'm always proud of living up in the Northeast, right? Right. And one of the best things of living up in the Northeast is that when you're drinking outside in January, your drink don't get warm. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> nice. So let me move on. I, I I really, I'm going to condense my, my, my talk here, man. I'm not going to talk about head coach. I'm not going to talk about GM. All I'm, going to, I'm not even going to talk about players that are under contract right now, two years from now. I'm talking about the free agents we have right now. And all I'm going to say is who needs to be signed is mostly the defense. Phylon, mm-hmm. okay? Jefferson in the middle. I think Hayward needs to be signed. I think the back end with Abrams and, and Mooring is tight. Now, the question is this. I'll leave you with this. We got Diablo and we got Perryman under contract. What do we do with Kibakowski and Morrow? And I'll leave you with that, Q. Thank you for taking my call. Shields up, man. There it is. Shields up right there. Uh, appreciate the call, my man. And 
That's a good question. Really good question. I think Kwiatkowski is kind of working his way right out the roster. I don't know, though, what his contract is. I'm serious. I mean, and I'm not saying, again, I liked him when they signed him. I thought he was a good player in Chicago. He was a backup that whenever they called upon him, he was he was the guy. But I feel like he played well. No, he played good his first year with the Raiders. And then you saw he played sparingly last season. And he was banged up quite a bit. I think that he's just kind of working his way kind of off the roster. But you got to look at his contract. You got to see what the contract says. Are you able to move on from him? How much dead money does it have? I mean, that's why those guys, those capologists and those guys in the front office, man, that's why they get paid the big bucks. Because they got a lot of tough decisions that they got to make and figure out how to make it work. So they're not sitting sitting there with a ton of dead money. I mean, there's one thing. I, I will never say that Reggie McKenzie was the best uh, GM, but I'll tell you one thing. Him and, 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 the, and the staff that, that made sure the contracts were right and the books were good, where there wasn't a lot of dead money on it, they were solid with that. That was a solid that they did. And he had a mess when he went and took over. I mean, he, he was... He he basically gutted the roster and went to the dollar store and got a bunch of dollar dollar store parts and made sure that okay we're going to be under the cap and we're going to be under the cap from the, from now on and they did a good job with that can't take nothing from him. Big Deuce said, "Damn y'all got me rolling and crying with that about Arnett." Thanks for taking the text. <laughs> that was uh that was the mom by the way that got fired up about Arnett. Fargo Raider said, "Car gonna say I'm gonna I'm going Nets way." <laughs> <laughs> Netway. Netway. Going Nets way. Going Nets way. Yo, go give him a stream or something. Help a brother out. Man, that's funny. 702-365-9200. Let's go to H and Albuquerque. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, how you doing, Q? Bless, man. How are you? So, uh, I'm well, thank you. So, last offseason, uh, when Scott was finishing up on Silver and Black, he was talking about what moves should Raiders make in the offseason. And I said, I'm not sure. We had a lot of holes, a lot more holes to fill in. I said, but whatever they do, don't do not compromise the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly you know what, what happened. What now, they of course did. they didn't see. <laughs> yeah, you know, of course they didn't see Denzel Good going down quickly. Right. And uh, but you know Leatherwood, I don't know. Maybe he works out like uh, Colt Miller. Maybe he needs a little more time. I find it hard to believe that an Outland Trophy winner from Bama can't make it in the league. So, but I mean, I take two the two tackles at this point. We they got to make sure they fix it. Right, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, all right, good stuff, man. Thank you for the call. And and look, I mean, I was I was shocked. There was there's video of me being shocked when they drafted Leatherwood at 17 overall. I thought he was a second round pick. He's a guy that I watched a lot. I was I, I watch Alabama football religiously. I love Alabama football. I think they're the closest thing to the NFL that you're going to see. And I was shocked. I know that he's a good player. I think ultimately what we've seen is that he's a decent guard right now. I think he may be able to develop into a really good guard. I don't think, based off what I heard from Lincoln, listening to Lincoln Kennedy on, on In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, I don't think he's a tackle in this league. I just don't. I don't think he's built to be a tackle. I'm not going to lie. When Lincoln talks about him, when, when he talks about the hand speed, he's right. mentioned it multiple times that what he needs to do in the offseason is take some boxing classes. Yeah, boxing lessons. So that, all, that makes it seem like, to me, like a, a Max Crosby, a guy who likes to do like the little yeah. fight a hand. Would eat him just, up. Yeah, just Would like eat him up. boom, boom, going right past him. And again, that's not a disrespect because Max Crosby ate up a lot of guys this year, right? It's just certain guys are made for certain positions. And I go back to uh, the, the the big ugly that the, the Raiders drafted, what, number two overall? Um, Galloway? Yes. Yes, Robert Galloway. No, Gallery. Yeah, Gallery, yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert yeah, Gallery. He, he was supposed to be the short shot left tackle of the future. He was going to be the dude, and he wasn't. 
He went from left tackle to right tackle to right guard. And they finally found a spot where he was decent. He was never great, but he was decent. But because he went from a school that – Wasn't that spot Seattle? No, 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 no. Was he not the guy who went to Seattle no, after he, a while? I mean, he might have. But while he was with the Raiders, he, he, he moved from left to right to right guard. He, he made all those moves. He actually was decent with the Raiders at right guard. But that's not what they drafted him for. And my whole point is they didn't draft Leatherwood to be a guard. If he ends up being a right guard for, and, and ends up being a really good one, cool. You got a really good right guard, but that doesn't mean that you don't address the tackle position. I hope everything works out with Leatherwood and he ends up being that guy because he seems like he's got that mean, that nasty in him that you want from your offensive lineman. He's just got to figure it out. And, again, maybe another offseason, training camp, preseason, he'll get up to speed, especially if they have him in one position. I, I think a big mistake would be to move him around to different positions. All right, let's try him again at right tackle and try to give him. No, just stick with one spot. Let him master that spot before you start moving him around. You know, just let him master something and then figure it out. I wouldn't be mad if they spent a lot of free agent money on building that offensive line. Just make a machine. That offensive line needs to be a machine, especially if you have number four behind center, which I believe you do. You want to make things as, as perfect as possible, and nothing's ever going to be perfect. But you're gonna, you want to make it as, as, as good as possible for the quarterback behind center. The guy, the trigger man, you want, you want that offensive line to be solid. I would have no problem if they spent some good free agent money building that offensive lineup. 2.57 is the time when we come back. We'll kick off hour number two of the show. We'll talk a little bit of Michigan football with Austin Meek from The Athletic. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920.